Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Such a great tool, such a great uh, opportunity for us to ask questions of people in our lives. And this morning we're going to look at um, Jesus in a way that we maybe not have thought of him before. You know, so often we think of Jesus as the one with all the answers. And if you really look at it, Jesus is one with all the questions. He asks all the questions. And, uh, and, and, and some of the things he asks, you know, he forces us to make a decision about what do we really believe? You know, what do we, what do we really think? What do we really understand? He asks so many questions. That in fact, there's hundreds of questions in the Gospels that Jesus asked of people. Now, he also got asked quite a few questions as well. And if you look at it, he only responded with an answer to a few of them. Out of the hundreds, I think there was about eight he actually responded to directly. The rest, he would often ask a question or deflect that. Now, that wasn't to be... Uh, obscure or, or trying to be mysterious or anything like that. He was more interested about people's understanding of him and the Gospels than he was in telling them what to do and how to do it. And that's probably the premise of what I've started this, this series is. It's really that Jesus asks hundreds of questions uh, to, to many, many people. And, and, and often there's a risk in asking questions if you, you know, obviously you don't always know the, the answer. But it wasn't, he wasn't being in any way presumptuous. He wasn't telling people what to do. He'd ask them, what do you really think about that? You know, here's an interesting statistic. Um, the average four-year-old asks 437 questions every day. Every day. 437 questions every day. How many questions do you think you ask every day? I wonder how many questions you would actually ask of people in your world every day. Um, I, I wondered about that. I thought, why do you think we don't ask as many questions as, say, four-year-olds? As, as, older, as we get older, we get less eager to get involved in, in stuff. We get less interested. We get less uh, uh, prepared to put ourselves out there, I think, less inquisitive in, in this process, more concerned about ourselves than other people. And whereas a four-year-old's like a sponge. They're just trying to absorb from their world. They're trying to work out, how do I do this? How do I do life? What, how's this work? How do I work this out? And they just absorb that. And there are so many questions in this process. I can remember being with my son. We used to live at Saltash. This is when he was a little boy, about a four-year-old. I used to drive to Newcastle. That's where he worked. And dropped him off to his grandmother. And I remember feeling being exhausted at the end of those those drives because he would ask every question you could think of not really even wanting to know the answer often it was just asking a question for the, to make it noise sometimes and i think it's we need to get a little and, and no wonder jesus said we need to change and become like little children we need to ask more questions in our lives we need to ask more questions of people in our lives we need to ask more questions of people around us you know and, and what we're going to look at is, is some of the questions that Jesus asks throughout the Bible. You know, there's so many of them. But the ones I'm going to start with anyway is, this morning is, why are you afraid? 
Do you believe I can do this? Do you want to get well? And why do you doubt? And there's so many others we could look at. I just wrote a few others down here. Who do the crowd say I am? Who do you say I am? What a great question that is. You know, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? What do you want me to do for you? This is, he actually repeated this quite a few times. These, actually, these three questions. What do you want me to do for you? Um, what are you looking for? Do you love me? So there's again, what do you want me to do for you? See, if we take these out of context and ask ourselves that same, those same questions every day, if you like, even, you know, what do you want me to do for you? This is Jesus speaking, remember. You know, uh, what are you looking for? What do you believe? Do, do, do you love me? Do you love me? And they're, they're great questions to ask. You see, Jesus' questions were simple, clear, never condescending, never demeaning, and always challenging. And, and I believe that's the way Jesus approaches us in this time. You know, he wants us for us to examine our own hearts, our own motivation, our own motive, our own attitudes about stuff. He doesn't want to tell us how to do life. You see, religion wants us to tell us to do how to do life. They say, well, here's the model. Here's the way you do it. I'll plonk you into that box. See you later. Have a good life. That's not the way Jesus does it. He asks us questions about wherever we're in our journey, from our journey that starts from when we, before we know Christ to when we, we, we meet him and then the rest of our natural life and then all eternity. But he, knows, he asks the right questions in every time in that, that sequence of our life to challenge us to go to the next level, to challenge us to be more. The challenge is always not about knowledge. It's about understanding. And I know this might, this might be a little bit conceptual here this morning, a little bit abstract, sorry. Um, but, but I want you to think about Jesus asks you questions for your own good. He wants you to grow in him. And guess what? If we don't address those questions, we stay just the same. We stay stuck right where we are. And he asks us a question for a purpose. He's got a plan and purpose for every single one of us. And he wants us to get unstuck to move us forward, to grow us to the next level. But we can ignore the questions of Jesus very, very easily. You see, Jesus didn't dictate to people what they should or shouldn't do, how they should behave, what they should believe. He'd ask questions. He'd ask questions. You know, Jesus often would teach us through his questions and through the parables, through the stories that he told. And, and very often, <laughs> he was telling a story, and even his disciples were going, what is he talking about? Is he talking about that? Is he talking about this? He talking about and it's so funny when you read it because the, the, the disciples didn't have a clue most of the time what he was talking about. And it was only afterwards to go, Jesus, what was that about? Tell, tell us what that was about. And he'd explain what he was actually talking about at that stage. And, and he does that for a reason to engage us, to actually want us to think about the response, our response to that, not, not in direct answers to questions because direct answers to questions just a yes or no or, or do this or don't do that it doesn't help us really there's a quote here from the book that i read the goal is not to communicate knowledge but to elicit new understanding in the listener information is not the goal transformation is and if anyone's about transformation is jesus christ in our lives he wants transformation in your life he wants transformation in my life he wants us to be different every day to be more like him, to be more in, in his image every day. He wants the Holy Spirit to be part of our life, like Lynn shared, you know, to prompt us, to guide us, to lead us, to reach out to those people that are hurting in our world. He wants more of that for you and he wants more of that for me. Easy, 
answers can give us a sense of finality. Oh, that's the answer, so I don't have to think about that anymore. And they're not really helpful. Whereas considering questions, God has a chance to change us, to change our attitudes, to change our motivation, to change our heart, to change us from inside out. You know, easy answers can be offered as a conclusion. And uh, uh, whereas questions are an invitation for more consideration, thinking about that. What is that all about? How do I, how's that work with me? How does that work for my life, my situation? And the truth is the New Testament and the Bible really aren't a book of easy answers. You know, if you, if you tell someone, just read the Bible and you'll work it all out. No, it doesn't work that way. We have to think about this thing. We have to mull on it. We have to let it boil away there for a while and get an understanding. Well, what is Jesus saying here? What is he actually saying to me? What is he saying to, in my situation? What is he saying to my family? What is he saying to our church? What, what is he saying in this situation? It's not a book of easy answers because Jesus didn't give easy answers. There is no formulas to Christianity. We want to think there is. If you just do this, 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 you'll be right. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. He's got a plan and purpose for you, uniquely, specifically you. And you need to seek that out from God for yourself. You know, I'm going to say this, and it might upset a few people here, but all too often I think we've been more religious than more Christian. So often in our life, we think it's about a formula. If you do this and you do that and you do that, it's going to all work out. No, it doesn't. That's not the way Jesus works. You know, we get so religious about so many things. And we do it from this position of moral high ground, from, from you know, from uh, this position of holiness. You know, we think we know it all. And it's just not the way Jesus operated. If you read the Bible, it's just not the way he did things. Um, let me read you this. To me, it sounds a little bit more Pharisees than, than anything. But let me read you this. Um, uh, okay. Religion precisely defined in, is man's effort to please God. Religion defined is man's effort to please God. Any human system designed to reach and please any God is properly called a religion. Christianity isn't a religion because its focus is not on man reaching God, but on the opposite, on the opposite, on the reverse. God reaches out to man in the person of Jesus Christ. Christianity is all about relationship with God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. When we try to get men to God, then we have things backward, you know, and we're being religious instead of Christian. You see, there's a thing called Emmanuel Principle. It's out of Matthew one twenty three. And it talks about, you know, Jesus being born and he's Emmanuel, called Emmanuel. And, and, and it means God with us. God with us. God in our circumstance. God in this, with us right where we are. And God brought Jesus, his son, to this earth for you and for me to be with us in every circumstance. Now, what did Jesus do when he was here? He healed people. Many of them never even recognized him or thanked him. You know, he taught people. He, he loved all sorts of, every sort of people, you know. Amazing. He shared his life with them. He showed them what they could be. He gave them direction. He put, in their, put up their failings and, and, and patiently showed them a better way, you know. And uh, I really want you to hear this. I really want you to hear this. The only ones he gave a hard time to were the religious ones, were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, 
They're the only ones he rejected. The only ones he gave it to, if you like. Just, and, and, and just, he just couldn't put up with the religious spirit of them. And you see, every other person that came into his world, lepers, prostitutes, you know, tax collectors, I don't care. You read throughout there, there's no one else he rejected. There's no one that he didn't have time for. There's no one that he wouldn't ask a question of. There's no one that he wouldn't put his hand out and help to help. No one he wouldn't pray for. The only ones he got upset were the religious ones. Now, we have to be so careful we don't get this holiness in us that thinks we know what the right thing is to do for people and if you do it our way, you'll be right. It's not like that. It's not bringing men to God. It's taking us, the God in us, to men, to our community, to our world, to reach out to those people, to go, you know what? There is a better way, but I'm not going to tell you what that better way is. I'm going to show you what that better way is. I'm actually going to do life with you and show you there is a better way to do life. Does that make sense here this morning? You're okay? You're with me? I know it's, 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 it's a switch sometimes to try and get our heads around this. And I just thought about some things that can help us. You know, mentoring is about asking good questions. And I've just done some mentoring training myself, and it's just like, this, this is so helpful, you know. And just someone asking, how are you going? No, how are you really going? On an emotional scale of 0 to 10, where are you in that scale? How are you actually going right now? You know, not being, I don't want to get out of bed, and 10 being, I'm on fire for God. Where are you in this scale? You know, and, and it's just helpful to consider that stuff. You know, it, it, here's a great question to ask. If the enemy could take you out in your life, what area do you think it would be? If the enemy could take you out in your life, what area do you think it would be? You already know what that is in your heart. Every single person here knows something could take you out. And the truth is we need to understand those questions and process those questions and then position ourselves so we never allow us to get into that position. You know, for, for pastors, this is a question that's asked now in the mentoring of pastors. And do you know the number one response to this? Discouragement. I would have thought sex or money or temptation, I don't know. Discouragement. You see, the little things can take us out sometimes. And it's good to consider this stuff. To go, you know, what would take me out? Counseling is about asking good questions, you know. What, what do you think about that? What, what are you, who are you trying to impress? Who are you, you know, what are you trying to prove with that behavior? What are we trying to get at? You know, what would Jesus say to you about that? See, that's a great question to ask. So often we forget to ask Jesus what he'd ask. He's, he's there for you right now. He wants you to ask the question of him. Jesus, what would you say about that? Can I tell you, that can unlock your life. That simple question can unlock your life because we allow the world, our experience, our background, what other people have said to us, opinions, to dictate our future. And just by pausing long enough and just asking Jesus that question, Jesus, what would you think about that? What would you say about that? I'm telling you, it can unlock you. It can bring freedom in a way that you don't even, perhaps even understand at this stage. You know, coaching's the same thing. Where are you now? Where do you want to go? How are you going to get there? Questions. You know, leaders always have to ask questions. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do it that way? Can we, is there a better way we can do it? What, what's a better way? Well, here's what I want to say to you. 
Jesus asked great questions. He was the ultimate mentor, the ultimate coach, the ultimate counselor, a great leader, a teacher, a rabbi, a messiah, all that and more wrapped up into one. And he asked questions one after the other, after the other, after the other. Questions should be a key and and a foundation for every good relationship. Every good relationship is based on interest and and asking questions of each other. You know, how are you going? How's your day? What, what are you thinking? What, what, how, how are you feeling about that? What, what's this about? You see, we get so self-absorbed sometimes, we forget to lift our head and ask people around us, how are you going? How are you going? And Jesus was obsessed with this. He asked so many questions. And I hope you're catching this this morning. That, that the, the, the real key, the real tool here is to ask questions. Ask questions of people. Ask questions. You know, there, there's... Um, the truth is, if you're not asking questions of people, you're either, first of all, I guess you could be insecure, but more than that, you don't want to look a fool. And, and Jesus uses the foolish things in this world. So why wouldn't we want to be foolish? Like, it's okay. It's okay to be foolish. You know, ask the questions. Even if you don't know the answer, ask the question. So if we can too be too self-absorbed and too self-interested that we're not prepared to put ourselves out there. Well, the only way you're going to grow in any relationship is to be real with people and to ask questions about people. You know, there's a research that I, I found, because we do a lot of marriage stuff, a psychologist that, that proposed and, and has actually done this, that if you ask anyone, if two people get in a room, have a coffee, whatever, and they ask each other 36 questions, the majority of them will fall in love by the end of that conversation. Is that stunning? Is that stunning? Huh? It does depend on the questions, I guess. Do you love me? Uh, no. But, but hear what I'm saying. Not, this wasn't quite going where I was going. But, uh, but uh, here's the thing. We grow in love when we have intimacy with somebody, right? When there's an intimate situation. And we get intimacy through asking questions. We ask questions. You know, it, it's our, our marriage course is completely about that. Our, our fall in love, stay in love. It's about uh, asking ourselves questions. Well, what makes me feel loved? How do I know when I feel loved? What f- makes me feel unloved? And once we identify that, it's then communicating that with our partner, with our spouse. And we get, do more of the things that make us feel loved and do less of the things that make us feel unloved Therefore, we have a higher love bank, a higher emotional bank because of that. We feel more in love with that person. Anyway, that's probably off the point a little bit this morning. Going to look at uh, Mark 4, verses 35 and 41. You know, here's what I want to say here this morning about these, what, we're, what we're talking about. In a storm, why are you so afraid? In a storm, why are you so afraid? When you need a miracle... Do you believe I can do this? You know, when we're in an ongoing, challenging situation, do you want to be well? You know, when we have these doubts, our spiritual doubts, well, you know, why do you doubt? These are all questions that Jesus asked over and over again. And and it's Mark 4, verse 35 and 41. The context is Jesus has been teaching all day. So he starts on the shore of the lake, and then a whole heap, heap of people turn up, a whole crowd. So he goes, oh, quick jump in a boat, push me out a little bit, 
And so he preaches from this boat through all, with all these people all day, a whole day that this goes on. And, uh, and it's interesting thing is that the thing he was preaching from, the pulpit, actually becomes his illustration in this, in this scripture. And let me read this this morning. Should I go on the screen for this, haven't I? Yep. That day when evening came, he said to the disciples, that's Jesus speaking, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. Such an intriguing passage, the way that's worded. Just took him as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so they were nearly swamped. Let me pause there for a second. Who's been in a boat that's been nearly swamped? Anyone, anyone been in a situation like that? Yeah. You know how scary it is. And add to this, this is nighttime. This is in the night, in the dark of night. So we, we read about this and go, well, what's the big deal? You know? yeah. but, but this is at night time and this boat's nearly swamped. Oh, I can tell you a situation that Rob and I have actually been involved in. When we went to Vanuatu, we, we, we uh, went to do a pastor's conference over there on the island of Tanna. Hadn't been to Tanna before, but got off the, uh, the plane in the island of Tanna and there's no one around anywhere. It's just like, oh my goodness, what do we do? Like, I thought someone was going to pick us up. Anyway, we wandered down the back of the airport, tiny little airport it was. In fact, one of the places we stopped, the plane actually flew in. There was a cliff like that, and the plane just flew in and stopped there, turned around, went up the hill a little bit, and just flew off the cliff again on the way out. It was such a scary trip. Anyway, we got there, finally found a, a, a beach that there was a boat down there, and we finally recognized someone, this guy that was down there. So we, he said, yeah, jump in the boat. There was a few other people there. I think there was seven of us. Now, this boat was probably a six, no, probably 17 or 18-foot boat. I think it had about like a 75-horsepower mower on the back. That would be at limit already in, in Australia, right? That, that would already be at limit. We took off, and we, so we had to go up around the side of the tanner and then go to the top where the, the conference was. Uh, we jumped in and took off. Anyway, we kept stopping or slowing down on the way up, and then uh, a little kayak would, a canoe would come out, and people would jump in. They'd throw all their, their luggage and their food and all that sort of stuff, and then they'd jump in. You go, oh, yeah, okay. Next thing, he's backing into a reef in between swell breaking, swells breaking, backing into this reef. These people will jump up on the reef and then jump in the boat and throw all their gear in the boat, and then the, gets out before the next swell breaks. And we, we're driving up the coast, and we're going, what is going on here? There's just so many people on this boat. Anyway, finally we had 18 adults, four kids, plus all their luggage and their food for a week because this was a week conference. The boat was down so close to the edge in the water. And then we turned the corner of the island to go around the headland to go towards where the, the conference was and the swell started to come through. And the swell was just... I don't know how big a swell was, but it was like four or five metres swell that was just going through. And as we came to the top of each of the swells, I was estimating how far it was to shore and what I could grab to actually float us off to shore because I was thinking I can get Rob and myself there, I think. So I don't care about anyone else. I'll get us there. And, uh, and yeah, the, the locals who are on the boat, so these are all local people that are jumping on the boat, they're all being seasick. These guys fish every day of the week. They're out in their boats all the time. And these guys were sick. And I'm thinking, this isn't good. I kept looking at the, the driver thinking, 
uh, he's not showing any fear, but he's, he's, I can see a few beads of sweat there. And uh, anyway, I, I couldn't, you know, couldn't say anything, couldn't do anything. It was a boat full of pastors, so we prayed and prayed and, and we got there. So, but but he, uh, he finally did, he did come to me afterwards and said, I'm so sorry. He said, oh, I didn't realize so many people were going to jump on this boat on the way through. I thought we were picking up a few people. I didn't realize we were picking up that many. So I actually apologized, which sort of made it okay. But I just know how much I was freaking out on the inside when this boat wasn't even being swamped. It was, it was like just getting above the swells and coming down the other side. Then I'd get a glimpse of shore again and go, yep, I think I can make that. Yep, I think I can grab Robin and I think we can do it. And, and then down again and up again. And, and it's just so so freaky. So I get the fear that was around these guys in this situation. Let's keep reading. Uh, so the boat was nearly swamped. Jesus is in the stern, sleeping in on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, said the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. It was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Why are you so afraid? What, what a great question that is. What a great question. Yeah, just quickly, I'll give you some context. The Sea of Galilee is 207 meters below sea level. It's between mountains and hills. And it, it's, it's predispositioned for storms to be there all of a sudden. They just come all of a sudden, go bang, and, and, and there's a storm on that place. A little bit like Melbourne, right? You know, four seasons in a day. But... but uh, I don't know if you've been in a significant storm, if you can remember what that sound is like, like the shaking almost, you know, the, the Pasha Bolka when it ran ashore at, at Nobby's, you know, in, in back in 2007, or even the storm we had here in uh, 2015 when our officers down the front, our cottage got, the roof got blown off, and uh, it was a scary time. You can, I remember the water and the wind and the sound and everything. And there's so many times in life we get blindsided by a storm, so many times in life. Everything seems like it's going fine. Then all of a sudden, we get bad news. Something happens that we didn't expect. Something changes in our lives. And, and it might be something like, well, my job finished. I've been laid off. You know, it might be get a bad doctor's report. It might be a relational storm, marriage problems. It might be, you know, a child goes off the rails. And, and, and it's, it's tough. You, you get so focused on that. You know, and, and you're not looking for the storm, but the storm seems to find you. And and sometimes we even don't look like we are in a storm on the outside, but there's a storm going on inside, here and here. And no one knows that there's a storm going on. No one knows what's going on in your heart. And, and as Christians, we're pretty good at putting on a brave face, right? Here you going, oh, great, great. Haven't paid my house mortgage for the last two week, two months, but great, great. Husband's left me, but no, great, great. Everything's good, you know. Kids are off the rails, but great. Yeah, everything's going good. Yeah, yeah. the storm's going on. And sometimes we can say, yeah, everything's great, and sleep. When we go to sleep at night, cry ourselves to sleep because everything's not great. It's a storm, and we didn't expect it, and we didn't want it, but we're still experiencing the storm. And I want to show you here. This morning, just two thoughts to finish. Two thoughts to remember when you're in a storm. First thought is, you're in the storm with his presence. 
You're in the storm with his presence. Mark 4, verses 37, 38. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Now, I just know how rough it was that day in that particular boat. You couldn't have slept. Like, it's just impossible to have slept in that situation. Jesus is on a cushion. It's, it's even amazing they put a cushion in there, isn't it? He's in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I, I don't know. Sometimes we have wrong thinking about the storms of life. Um, and we think things like, well, if Jesus is with me, we shouldn't be going through a storm. Jesus is in the boat, so we're not going to go through a storm. No, of course not. No, that's, that's not right. You know, it's not like that at all. We question God, if you're with me, well, how can I be going through this stuff? Come on, God. I thought you're for me, not against me. But Jesus says, you'll have trouble in this world. Don't worry about that. You're going to have trouble. But I've overcome the world. And the fact is, truly, if we're not having some sort of trouble, some sort of opposition, something going on in our lives, we're probably not really doing much for God. We're probably just coasting. And the opposition will come. There's darkness and there's light. And there's going to have opposition to, to the light. And you will have troubles in this life. Don't be surprised by the storms. They will come. They will come. And just because you have Jesus in the boat doesn't mean the storm's not going to rock you or shake you. You know, there's a song we, that we sing. I can't remember the name of it. It says something like, I'll not be shaken. Well, I'm sorry, that's theologically incorrect. Because we do get shaken. We do get rocked. We do, things come at us and we're unsettled about it. But here's the thing I want to say to you here this morning, really quickly. It won't sink you. It's not going to sink you. No matter what storm you're going through, it won't sink you. Yes, you will be rocked. Yes, you will be shaken. Yes, there will be a storm. But it won't sink you. He's with you in the storm. His presence is with you. And sometimes when you're going through the storms of life, people go, well, how do you go through that? I've had those conversations with people. How can you go through that? Like, you, you seem so calm about it. You seem to have peace. And the only reason we can do that is because of his strength, his grace, his power, his presence. He's with us in the midst of the storms. Never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. The storms will come. The storms will come. Yeah, here's some personal thoughts, scriptures I use all the time. God is my refuge and strength, my ever-present help in trouble. That's Psalm 46. You know, Hebrews 13. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And Psalm 23, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You've got to keep walking. You've just got to keep walking. He's with you. His presence is with you. First thought. The second thought is, you're in the storm for his purposes. You know, in verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to the disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Who said, Let's go to the other side? Jesus said, Let's go over to the other side. Now, he is God incarnate. Like, he is, he's God in flesh on this earth. And, and so, would he have known that there was a storm? Probably. Probably. But his heart was to reach this man, Legion, that was hurting and cutting himself on the other side. And he said, We're going to get in this boat and we're going to go over the other side. Now, he didn't tell them they were going to meet a storm on the way through. But that's very often the way Jesus works. They didn't experience a storm because they're out of God's will. 
I want you to hear this this morning. They experienced a storm that was in God's will. Don't always question God every time you come up against a storm. His presence is with you. He'll use the storm for his purposes. Well, see, you might be thinking straight away, well, Greg, are you saying that God caused the storm? No, I'm not necessarily saying that. I can't tell you if he did or he didn't. But he'll use the storm in your life to make you better, to make you a better person, to transform you more, to have you more reliant on him, to be, be different on the other side of the storm. He'll use it for his purposes. He always uses it. He always uses the storm. And he uses it for your, your good. You know, God works all things for the good of those that love him, called according to his purposes. Uh, and he'll use that for your good. And I know that's hard to understand in the midst of the storm, in the midst of fear. Why are you so afraid? Why, where's your faith? Come on, I'm with you. My presence is with you. I'll use this for my purposes. You know, James 1, verses 2 and 4, horrible verse. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Ah, don't you hate that scripture? Consider it pure. How can I consider it pure joy? It's, it's horrible. It's testing my faith. It's, it's trials of all sorts of kinds. And it goes on. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The trial, the test produces perseverance. So we can be mature and complete not lacking anything. So there's a purpose in the storms. There's a purpose in the trial. There's a purpose in the testing. There's something that you and I need to learn in the storms. There's something we need to know about ourselves. There's something we need to learn about God. And it's only in this, the pressure of the storms we actually get that revelation. If we're open to the questions that Jesus asks us, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? I'm with you. My presence is with you. What are you afraid of? You know, we're all afraid of stuff. You know, and, and, and it's just really good to to think about that sometimes. Not to think about things you're scared of. But for me, I remember, you know, money can sometimes catch me out. You know, my mum and dad went bankrupt in their mid-60s. And they had... A, a business they worked for 30 years, virtually seven days a week, worked so hard. And for some reason, the storm came, it was gone. And they walked away with their clothes, a little bit of furniture, and a 12-year-old car. That's all they had. They had, I won't even tell you what they had before, because it doesn't matter. But this is in the mid-60s. And, I, and, you know, I'm in the 60s now. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not making mistakes here. I, I, want, you know, I don't want to make any mistakes that don't catch me out. Well, you know, and, and that fear can drive my action sometimes. You know? What's another fear? I'm being very vulnerable here this morning. What's another fear? Well, my granddad died of a massive heart attack at age 50. And I remember being around about 50 and being in a pretty stressful situation, playing touch footy, had shortness of breath, had pain in my chest. I thought, I'm dying. I'm dead. You know, my grandfather died of massive heart attack. I'm going to die of massive heart attack. It was stress that ended up. It's just stress. That's the way it can affect you sometimes. And uh, and so that 
we've got to deal with these fears and go, you know what? I trust you in the storm, Jesus. Your presence is with me in the storm. You've got a purpose in the storm. You're going to work it out for good. I know that. You're going to work it out for my good. I'm just going to trust you in that storm. And I'm going to finish with that this morning. I, I realize I'm about to finish time. But I just want to pray for you here this morning. And, and if there's a storm going in, on in your life or a storm in someone else's life that you know, let's be praying for them this morning. Let, let's be praying for them. Can we stand to our feet? Questions. Always be asking questions. Hey, and if you've got that, that situation in your life or there's someone in your world that is, is in the midst of a storm, let's be thinking about them. Let's be praying for them here this morning, hey? With two or three gathered, he's with us. So, so let's pray for God's healing, for God's presence to be so evident in the, in the midst of the storm, for his purpose to be evident for our lives. Father, we thank you, God, for this time together. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for Jesus, the, who he was. You know, the, 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 the man that came to such a religious uh, situation on this earth and became so full of grace, so full of truth, so full of freedom, so full of your spirit, God, who is able to speak truth into every situation. God, I pray right now, if anything is holding us back from the truth you have for us, God, You'll, you'll illuminate that. You'll make that clear for each and every one of us here this morning, God. Bring it to our mind. God, bring a, a clarity in our thinking, God. God, we thank you for the questions that Jesus asks of us. Why are you so afraid? You've got my presence with you. You've got my purposes on your life. Why would you be so afraid? Where is your faith? And God, here this morning, we pray for every situation, every storm that people are going through, anything that brings fear, God. We pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray for that. God, we pray your Holy Spirit fills us afresh and a peace that transcends all understanding, a peace that is beyond our natural comprehension and natural understanding will be a part of our walk with you, God, every day, every day, a peace that transcends all understanding in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the storm. God, we don't even pray for that storm to go. We just pray for your presence to be with us, your purposes to be with us, and the peace of God to be with us every step of the way, God. We give you honor and glory in this place, in Jesus' name. And one other group of people, just while your eyes are closed, just real quick. Here this morning, I don't know everyone in this room, but maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus at some stage, or maybe you've never made that decision. But here's an opportunity to get right with God. Maybe you, you've been in the boat and you think, oh, I don't think Jesus is in the boat with me. Well, you're in real trouble as far as I'm concerned. Here's an opportunity to ask Jesus into your boat so his presence can be with you, his purposes can be on your life. And here's an opportunity to start that journey with him right now, even in the midst of the storm. In fact, I think he even allows the storm sometimes to get us to recognize we need more. And if that's you here this morning, just while eyes are closed, heads are bowed, just stick your hand straight up in the air, right where you are. Just go, yep, that's me, Greg. Plonk it up right quick, real quick, real quick. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We, look, here's even the prayer that we can pray. We thank you for the storms in life. 
God, we thank you for the things we learn about ourselves and about you in the storms, God. We thank you that we know your presence is with us every step of the way, God, and that you have even got a purpose in the midst of the storms for each one of us, Jesus. We thank you for that in your precious name, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, let's give God a great big clap this morning. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.